This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us again. I am glad you are here today. I want to go back to the root of this podcast today, uh, and the reason why we started it. Today I'm talking about the great balance of Micah 6. Micah, who we'll talk about in a minute, was an ancient Jewish prophet who, in his writings, the the book of Micah, uh, chapter 6, gives us some beautiful balance that will help us in our work of justice The main reason that I started this podcast is because of the horrible tendencies of modern social justice movements to be loud, violent, filled with hate, and divisive. Two, most of them are based on non-facts, and thus fail to even come to a real solution to creating a just society. Today we're going to look into an ancient Jewish prophet's writings, discover this balance and justice, with the prophet Micah. And Micah is a fascinating prophet who, in, again, as I said in chapter 6, gives us an incredible look into God's amazing balance and the creative order around justice. So, who was Micah? I kind of like the prophet Micah because he's got one of those names you can pronounce. So, thank God for a Jewish name we can pronounce. Uh, ancient Hebrew can be interesting to get into the English language, but Micah was the first prophet actually to predict the fall of Jerusalem. So we've got the fall of Jerusalem uh, in Jeremiah's time. And before Jeremiah's time, you have the prophet Micah, who's the very first one to predict that Jerusalem was going to fall. He lived in the eighth and seventh centuries BC. And Micah lived in a rural area of Southern Israel, now Judah, and spoke against the corruption of the metropolitan areas. He spoke against the dishonesty and the idol worship so prevalent in the big cities of his time in Israel. And in chapter 5, he speaks of a coming Messiah and what kind of ruler this Messiah would be and how he would be received how he will divide Israel. In fact, Jesus said he did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And so Micah begins to unpack this for the people of his time. Now, it's interesting because we often think of Jesus as this peaceful, almost effeminate person. We tend, but Jesus was actually very rough. We've got to keep in mind, he was a carpenter. He was a person of the desert there in Israel, and he was a person who would have been very rough. I don't mean rough in his language and stuff, but just rough in his appearance. Uh, uh, Being a carpenter, being from a small town uh, there in the Middle East, he he wouldn't have been this gentle, effeminate person. 
Uh, he would have been loving. Of course, we know Jesus as the very loving Savior, very merciful. But he wasn't, wasn't a pushover. And Micah, in his prophecies, gives us the idea that this coming Messiah would not be received very well by Israel. And that he's not this Messiah that's coming to bring peace and unify Israel, but rather he's coming to divide Israel. And again, as I said, Jesus said in the Gospels, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And so we, we have to see a balance in Christ himself when it comes to justice, that justice is a balance between division and mercy at the same time. But we get into the important chapter six. In chapter six of Micah, Israel is complaining to God about their plight. And it's interesting how God responds. He responds to the prophet Micah by saying, look, I brought you out of Egypt and out of slavery to Egypt, and I established you as a free people. You are the ones who rejected me, not the other way around. So Israel really was being quite narcissist at this point in time. They're rejecting God, but blaming God for, for the bad things happening to them. And God's like, really? You know, but we do that as humans. We blame God. We get mad. We yell at God. And God's like, you're the one who sinned. You're the one who stepped out of my divine plan. If you'd stayed in the plan, everything would be going well. You know, God doesn't turn his back on us and walk away. We're the ones that turns our back and walks away. So Israel then, after God's response, starts trying to figure out what sacrifices they needed to do to make God happy. And we do that, don't we? I got to get the mask. Keep God off my back. Keep God happy. As if you are so important that God's happiness is dependent on you and your performance. Like God's like, wow, I can have a great week now because Michael walked into a building and went through a few rites of mass. You know, God is just a little bit bigger just big enough to be able to be happy within himself and he doesn't need your performance, but Israel goes that way. They, they're like, okay, God's like, okay, it's our fault. So what we need to do is figure out what sacrifices we need to do to make God happy. But in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, God responds with what pleases him. And I'm going to read this to you now. It says, he has shown you, that is God, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. At no point did God say in this passage, you know, O mortal, what is good? What does the Lord require of you but to make me happy by going to church and reading your Bible, you know, praying, you know, whatever. No, God says, first of all, I like how God puts us as humans in our place. He has shown you, oh, mortal. In other words, God's like, you're not that big of a deal. My happiness, 
you know, all these sacrifices you're doing, you know, I'm doing them for your good, not for my good. I'm the infinite spirit. I'm cool with myself. <laughs> okay. So, uh, to put it in street language, so to speak, but God is saying, I'm showing you as a mortal human being, what is good. And what I require of you is these three things to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with me as your God. So let's look at this. First of all, to do justly, to act justly. I think it's interesting that here in Micah 6, 8, God doesn't say I'm requiring of you to speak justly. I'm not asking, God's not saying I'm asking you to give big speeches on justice and write books about justice. No, I'm requiring of you because this is good for you. Notice, I, God has shown you, O mortal, what is good. This is good for you to act justly, to act out justice, not talk about it, not talk about feeding the hungry, just doing it. Uh, as St. James tells in the New Testament, if you see a brother who's hungry and in need of food, don't pray for him. Just feed him. Be the answer to the prayer, because I'm sure he has prayed enough already asking God for food. So to act justly, to be a person who creates space for everyone to have the opportunity to thrive. And that can come in many forms. The second thing is to love mercy, to love kindness, as other translations may say. But God wants us to love mercy, not to just be merciful and to show mercy, but it's interesting to love mercy. That goes deep. Like mercy is what defines your very being. Why? Because it's what defines God as merciful. God has shown over and over, like with St. Faustina in the early 1900s, where Christ appears to St. Faustina on multiple occasions and tells him, I am mercy. So therefore, with Micah's prophecy, God is saying, I want you to be mercy. Don't just give mercy, but be mercy itself. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, you can't do it without coming close to God. Once you begin to go deep into God, then God's uh, character begins to infuse into you and you become this joyous, just person of mercy. Again, there's the balance we've talked about in the past and in, in previous episodes the balance between justice and mercy, because justice all by itself ends up causing everybody to be dead, <laughs> executed for their sins. L mercy all by itself just doesn't hold anybody accountable for anything. So what does justice and mercy together do? They create this amazing balance uh, in society where we're showing mercy while acting justly as well. And then the third thing that God requires of us here in Micah 6, 8 is to walk humbly with your God. Now, in our previous episode, we talked about how we fit into everything, that we're this very small microcosm 
in this eternal story that's going on that God's telling. And we, but we want to matter. Somehow we want to feel like we're important. And in the last episode, I tried to burst your bubble. We're not that important. I'm not that important. So God wants us to learn to walk humbly in our work of creating a just society right where we are, to not try to make it about us, to, to be okay if we do all the work and we get no notice of it. I've been in my personal spiritual journey working through the litany of humility. That's a tough one. You got to be really ready for that if you're going to uh, work through the litany of humility. If you don't have it, look it up online. It is a tough prayer to pray. But some of the, the nuances of the litany of humility is asking God that you don't be noticed, asking God that other people get the praise, asking God that other people get blessed while you don't, you know, just things like that. In other words, walking in such a way that you're like, first of all, St. John the Baptist that says he must increase and I must decrease. You're walking in such a way where, like St. Paul, you're saying, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And notice how opposite this is of today's social justice warriors. Today's social justice warriors are just loud. They're obnoxious. They're trying to get attention. They're getting rich, buying mansions, some of them, off of that. And they're just, you know, they're creating violence. They're setting buildings on fire and doing harm to others through that. You know, that is the complete opposite of what God requires of us. God does require us to act justly, yes. But along with acting justly, he requires of us to love mercy and to walk humbly, to be a person of quiet solitude. In other words, a person who realizes they are just a mist who's here for a little while and then passing off the scene. And what I'm trying to do in my little time of being a mist here on the earth, I'm trying to be faithful because that's ultimately what God wants from us. God doesn't want us to solve the problems of the world. God knows how to do that. Okay. And God's been around a lot longer than us dealing with problems a lot longer than we have. What God wants from you and what he wants from me is humility. He wants faithfulness. Just be faithful. If I have asked you to uh, put up tiny homes so that homeless can transition off the streets and to be in productive members of society again. If, if that's what I've called you to do, just be faithful on that. Don't worry about the rest. Just be faithful on that. Now, I want to say this, that these are all good principles, but they are of no value if they're not applied. Okay, St. James, been referring to him a lot lately, but he has a lot of good to say. Short letter that he wrote, but packed with wisdom. St. James says, of what good is it for you to read the scriptures? And we're like, oh, you should read the Bible. Well, St. James says, what's the big deal? He's like, if why bother reading the scriptures if as soon as you walk away, you forget what you read and you don't apply it? St. James says what's better 
than reading the scriptures is applying the principles and living them out in your life. And it's the same thing with this. God, notice here in Micah 6, requires. It's not a suggestion. God's not saying it would be a good idea if you would act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. No, he said it is required of you. So it's not enough to listen to these podcasts say, yes, I need to be a person of justice and of mercy and humility. No, what's the big deal is if you actually do these things, just start doing them. And somebody said, have, you know, several people over the years have asked me, how do I serve the homeless, Michael? And my answer usually is just do it. Just go out there, get to know them. The answers will come to you. Now I'm here. I'm willing to guide you with wisdom I've gained over the years. But at the same time, that cannot be a substitute for you just going and just doing it and learning from your own mistakes. That's unfortunately how we learn best as humans is through our mistakes. And really the wisdom that I share with people in justice is wisdom coming from my own mistakes. So really when I'm sharing pieces of wisdom with you, what I'm admitting oftentimes is I made a mistake in an area and this is what I learned from that. Good principles. Now, I don't know about you. One of my least favorite things to do is to wax a car, to apply wax to my car. I just, I'm one of those people that just goes through a car wash, say, hey, you know, do the spray wax thing you do here. And I know it's not as effective as just doing it myself by hand. And when you do it by hand and apply wax to your car, car looks phenomenal afterwards. But uh, it's interesting that they talk in the instructions about applying the wax. And they talk about the first application of the wax and the second. But wax and other... You have to apply it. Why do you have to apply the wax? Because it is of no value to the car if you just look at it in the container. If you were just to open it up, open the container and observe the wax for a while, it's doing nobody any good. You got to take it out and you've got to do the work of applying it. It's the same thing with these principles we're learning from Micah. It's not enough to read Micah chapter 6. It is important and necessary to actually live it, to just do it, go for it. You've got this. A few weeks ago, there was a woman in a Walmart store, and I can't remember where the store was, but who was the security guard was trying to prevent this woman from stealing something in the store. Suddenly, the woman just started yelling at the top of her lungs, and it was very annoying to listen to this, but the woman just started yelling at the top of her lungs how racist Walmart was because they were trying to prevent her from stealing, and literally, she's yelling at the top of her lungs, racist, you know, like, good grief, lady. It was horrible to the ears to hear this. But that is today's attitude towards justice. But there is a better way. And the better way is the way of Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Balance, harmony, and humility are the way of true social justice. And may we live out that way as we create a just society right where we are. 
You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.